well, one second and turn my heater off then. Okay, I'll say whenever you're ready, but apparently the heater's not ready. Oh. <sighs> yes, of course. Now it realizes, oh, the apartment's cold. I should turn it on. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like 62 in here. <laughs> Thanks, heater. y'all this is yet another episode of manga in your ears i'm helen and Corey and april are with me hello and so for this episode we are once again following our usual format of one new series and one old series for our old completed series this time we are talking about thermai romai which is um somebody had an obsession and they managed to make a manga out of it and our other series our ongoing series this time around is the Savior's Book Cafe Story in Another World, aka one of the more relatable isekai titles out there right now. So starting off with Thermai Romai by Mari Yamazaki. Um, just I know she's done some other manga, including um, how do you pronounce it, Corey? Olympia Kaklios? Well, I thought you were the. Well, I guess this That's is Greek. Greek. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I took Latin and not Greek. <laughs> uh, I think when Ink said it, because this was one on one of his anime lists, I think he said it, Olympia Kiklios, or Kiklos, I don't know. Hopefully that is enough for people to go on, but the point is, is that, oh man, this mangaka really, really enjoys writing about, like, <laughs> the ancient classical Mediterranean world, as evidenced by the fact that they have come up with an idea for a manga, which is set in Rome, oh, I forget exactly what century, but um, it's, we're in, uh, like... It's like about 50 years after Pompeii explodes. Yes, I, yeah, I know. I don't know when Pompeii explodes, though. No. Yeah, I think they said at this point that Rome's been going for like 800 years, so I think we're in the period of like maybe the Roman Republic, maybe the Roman Empire. Um, but we follow Lucius, who is this architect, specializes in bath designs, and that's what this manga really is. <laughs> it is an exploration of like Roman bath design, but not just Roman, because... Lucius keeps getting, through various circumstances, keeps getting pulled into modern-day Japan, you know, another culture with a real bathing house, you know, appreciation culture, and he keeps coming up with all these new ideas for it, like, oh, this is how they make an outdoor bath work, oh, this idea of drinking sweetened milk after your bath is a great one, and it's very silly in that sense, and it's funny, since I had seen uh, the anime adaptation a couple years ago which is i think they're like half length episodes and the art in there is just kind of it seemed ugly on purpose so i was surprised when i was reading the manga and i was like oh that's not actually the art style here the art style here is actually kind of detailed it's definitely not ugly on purpose huh and i've also seen the live action adaptation of this series i don't even know where the jicc got this dvd of english subtitles on it since i looked it up later but um i think of the three my favorite version of the story has been the live action adaptation because it is just so over the top which is i mean how how seriously can you take a story where it's about someone who literally keeps getting 
almost isekai into modern day Japan and comes back and he's like, I've got a new bathhouse idea. Yeah, is this like reverse isekai of the typical isekai because they come from Japan to somewhere else? I don't know. Since it is technically the same world, it's more like time traveling. But, yeah. you know, isekai, it's, it's the hot new thing these days. Yeah. Yeah. So I read some of it. And Corey, you said you read the whole thing and that the, let's see, Yen Press put it on omnibus volumes and yep. that the second two omnibus volumes like got changed in tone or something along those lines? Uh, yeah, I would actually say it kind of changed in tone. Um, to clarify a few things uh, that I mentioned earlier, uh, Vesuvius exploded in 70, AD 79, um, and then this is like around 50 years after that, uh, and Hadrian, the leader, the, the emperor in... Oh, okay, yeah, so we're definitely in the Roman, Rep- um, Roman Empire, then it's yep. Hadrian... Hadrian's Wall, which is where you have that boundary for Scotland and England now. <laughs> yeah. So he was he lived until 138 AD and uh, actually goes to his death in the at the end of Volume Three or near the end of Volume Three. Um, spoilers: old people that are in old times die, I guess. <laughs> oh my God, Corey! You can't just keep spoiling history like that. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I found this incredibly fascinating. So that first volume, it was based, uh, not based, but it started as a one-shot, uh, and then it just grew into a volume, and then a couple volumes. And it's really in this second volume where uh, you're introduced to, um, let's see, about halfway through, you're introduced to a character named Soksuki, and, um, which I guess would be the fourth Japanese volume, since these are omnibus. Anyway, a uh, character named Soksuki, who is a archaeologist and researcher, and she is a um, college professor as well, it seems. Uh, you don't really get much indication of what kind of professor or teacher she is, but she is definitely a teacher in some capacity. And she is just obsessed with um, roaming times and uh, everything to do with uh, Lucius. Uh, she speaks English, she speaks... Um, I believe she speaks Italian, she also speaks Latin, she speaks a lot of languages, so she is actually able to communicate with Lucius in the first volume, and she, he had some interactions with people, and he's not really able to communicate, they have, or they indicate that by having it in brackets, I believe, and they also just romanized the Latin as well, over top of that. Um, but the last volume, volume three in English, really deals with, like, Lucius's budding relationship with Soksuki, who he calls Diana, uh, as in the god Diana, and, uh, it really tied together a story more, because, like, I didn't, along, a lot of the comedy manga, like, I don't know how much I will necessarily like, especially when it's, um, really just focused on these kinds of one-off chapters of some wacky stuff happening, um, and this was the same with Thermai Romai, but I was enjoying, like, the history and stuff in it. But then, like, by the third volume, it really delved into Soksuki. Lucius and I enjoyed and appreciated the, the absurdity of, like, Lucius continually wanting to be in these two places. First, to deal with Hadrian's uh, declining health and death. And second, to be with uh, this person that he is growing to love in Soksuki. You know, I'd always wondered how much the live-action version followed the original manga, but that's not ringing any bells. I mean, it has been a number of years since I've seen the movie, and I'm looking at the cast list on Wikipedia, and there's definitely no Satsuki mentioned there. Mm. There's like a Shizu and a Yume, so um, 
man, I'm really curious about this live action now. I'm going to have to dig it up and see if anyone else has like written more stuff that could jog my memory on it. And I also don't think I recall Satsuki popping up in the shorts that I saw before. I guess that just wasn't something they covered. Oh, and as I was looking on Wikipedia, as I was double-checking names, I was reminded that apparently there's going to be a new anime adaptation of this on Netflix in this year, 2022, Thermai Romai Novai. So I I guess we'll just be getting more of this soon. (laughs) Yep. That was the impetus of us doing this, because there was, there was going to be an anime on Netflix. I was also going to mention that, but then I forgot in the middle of Vesuvius and Hadrian. Honestly, I thought it was because we were just, you know, every episode, we were racking our brains trying to think of, you know, already completed <laughs> manga that we can read. You know, it's so hard to keep track of stuff, you know, of all the hot, fresh new things coming out. Yeah. Okay, April, so h- how do you feel about Roman Baths after all of this? <laughs> I remember when this first came out, when the hardcovers first came out and it I, like it didn't interest me at all and i've never picked it up over the years because of that so um obviously i picked it up for the podcast i kind of i only read the first volume but i kind of liked like how of course as it has is more a little more story driven in the later volumes but i kind of liked like how epi- episodic it was in the first volume i liked him just like showing up in different places and um seeing new ways to take a bath i just thought it was interesting i thought it was funny um but i'd never i'd never would have picked it up otherwise i mean i feel like when it first came out there was a lot of talk about it in blogs and stuff and it was it seemed like it was pretty popular or at least in our little manga circle it was popular back then but it's not something i would normally pick up but i i think that i would like to finish it just to kind of see what happens they do they ever say like why he keeps going to a different place like why he keeps time traveling or whatever it is he's doing nope okay well it's <laughs> a thing, thing that happens a very strange thing that happens to him mm-hmm. i think one of the things uh one of the things in manga that i like is when a uh an author has like a really particular interest like a really particular one and they just incorporate that in to a manga as much as they can and then like the the footnotes or the back notes are all about like all the research they've done i remember that like in the emma manga and a few other manga where she was like really big into maids and victorian stuff and i i like enjoyed the um the pages i guess after every chapter where she just talked where the author talked about um some of the history of the bass and the things that they learned along the way. So I enjoyed it just from a history perspective because I don't know a lot about that time. And then I just thought it was fine. So. Yeah, all the power to Yamazaki for somehow being able to make money by just writing the story about Roman baths and yep. Japanese baths. I was remembering as I was looking through the episode list, I'm assuming this happens at some point in the manga, but I think my favorite bit from the anime was when Lucius finds himself in like a modern day bathroom showroom in japan with like different kinds of toilets and he's introduced to bidets you know and all that jazz also there is definitely some nudity in here as i'm reminded as i'm looking at the wikipedia page and it's showing the first manga volume which is that's an uncensored cover it's not what i need to see tonight (laughs) yes it does not show any character nudity it does show statue nudity i don't know i think i think that is a statue of lucius i think it counts (laughs) well it's just a statue you know feel like it counts as uh not being lewd, right uh i guess it depends on whether or not we think greek statues are lewd or not which i mean <laughs> it's probably a question people have had throughout the ages yeah i'm going with yes you guys could have put clothes on them but you chose not to <laughs> you're just being horny on main <laughs> yeah 
Um, another thing I really like about this manga is that it has like these uh, essays in the middle. Uh, I don't know if I call them essays, maybe pieces. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's the same thing. Whatever. I'm splitting terms here. Anyway, uh, that are written by Marty Yamazaki, and it goes like into the background sometimes of the chapter and sometimes uh, just kind of what's going on in her life, which is kind of fascinating. Um, because she was born in Tokyo, she lives in Chicago now, actually, but she was living, or she split time between Italy and, uh, Portugal in between there, so sometimes she's telling, uh, stories about, like, oh, we had some of our, um, Italian friends, or one of my husband's Italian friends at work, and then, uh, then we went to Japan, and I was kind of their tour, tour guide over there, and... Um, it, it goes into like little anecdotes like that. I found it. Uh, I found it fun. Uh, kind of break up the stories too. It's nice. Yeah, and I guess we should have a heads up. I was remembering after looking at Corey's um tweets on the subject that um when Lucius first encounters Japanese folks, he starts immediately mentally referring to them as like fat, flat-faced slaves, since he doesn't immediately think that he has gone nearly two thousand years into the future to another continent. Because that would be a silly assumption. He assumes he has somehow gotten from the, not bathtub, uh, from the bathing pool drain into, like, an adjacent one where the slaves would have bathed, since the Roman Empire did have slaves at the time. So, I don't know, it's always a little weird <laughs> when I'm reading a Japanese manga and it's portraying a character accurately being kind of racist towards Japanese people. <laughs> but just, as a heads up, folks, that is in there. It does make sense in com- context. I don't think it's being overly derogatory but it was a weird moment <laughs> yeah i mentioned in the tweet if this were not a manga i would stop reading after that chapter yeah and that's very contextually dependent obviously it's written by someone who is japanese and they're trying to depict someone who is roman describing japanese people which is fine and uh it, it doesn't carry the same weights as if yamazaki was um raised in the U.S. Asian American and not like immigrant Asian American. Yeah, and like I said, the Romans did keep slaves. He legitimately thinks that's where he has gone. He has not gone into modern day Japan. And then there's a scene <laughs> where he's like trying to leave the bathhouse and stepping out, and it's like, what is going on out there? And all the patrons are like, I told you, you can't go out there without your clothes. Come on, buddy. Like, come on, let's get, let's get you sit down for a second. And there's no magical translator here. He is just trying to speak Latin to them, and they're trying to speak Japanese. And yep. Everyone can look at him and they know, oh, foreigner probably does not speak Japanese. Oh, let's try English. And of course, he doesn't know English either. English hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> Thankfully, someone knew Latin in the manga. <laughs> Which I have to tip my hat to because Latin is a hard one to speak since it's just, you know how um, you conjugate verbs in most languages? I'm familiar with conjugation. <laughs> yeah, you do this, You do the same thing to nouns in Latin. You decline them. Oh, that's right. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. It sounds annoying. Yeah, because Latin technically does not actually have a fixed word order in sentences, since each word kind of tells you if it's, like, the subject of a sentence or the object. And that, I just remember having to translate stuff in high school while we were practicing. And Julius Caesar would write the longest goddamn sentences. Like, his sentences were pe- paragraph-like. I'd be just going through them being like, okay, where is the verb here so I can start translating this sentence? Like, sir, there is a difference between a sentence and a paragraph. <laughs> so, again, kudos to anybody who can actually speak Latin. It is hard. <laughs> Although I probably could have spoken more Latin after three years of studying that than I could after Japanese, because at least it's more sim- similar to English. 
But you said this is a Japanese character who's learned Latin, so that's really impressive. <laughs> yep, sure is. Yeah. Um, the last, last thing I'd like to mention here is uh, there's an essay in the middle here where she mentions she had uh, Ben-Hur, uh, Chariot scene, and Ben-Hur on repeat because there's like a Chariot scene where Lucius uh, rides and saves uh, Saxony in, in one part. Um, and I just thought that was really funny. Yeah, authors' notes where you can find out like their weird little obsessions or inspirations like that are always the best. Yeah. Like I know you guys were mentioning um, Kaoru Mori's obsession with maids in the back of Emma, and yes, those are also great to read of her going on in very great detail to like the animators being like, okay, the skirts need to move like this. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, any final thoughts? Um, I definitely would keep reading the manga if my library had any copies of it. Um, need to check to see if they've got two and three. Um, not high up on my list, but it's fun. <laughs> it's definitely a comedy. Yeah, I agree with Helen. I think I have similar feelings. Yeah, if I could pick it up cheap or find it at the library, I would definitely finish it out and just see what she actually does with it in the end. Yep, I liked it a lot. Um, the anime is out from, by Discotech if you want to buy it, but it's also on Crunchyroll. Uh, it has all the episodes except for one random ONA from 2014, but it has all the 2012 episodes. Uh, I don't know what this 2014 was. It's not in the manga, so must be an extra. And I'm looking forward to that Netflix adaptation. I am so confused why this keeps getting a- adapted. Like, <laughs> who out there is also this obsessed with Roman baths and is going, yes, I want to do this? Uh, Naz. Uh, I, gu- I guess if they ever come to like Otakon or something, you know, and they have like a Q and A, that's when we gotta, that's when we gotta pounce, we gotta ask them why, why you keep adapting this. <laughs> and with that, folks, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back for an actual isekai, not what I have just been jokingly referring to as an isekai. <laughs> We are back for our second series of the evening. Uh, this one is The Savior's Book Cafe Story in Another World. This one's out by Seven Seas, and it's based off of, I'm assuming, a set of light novels. Um, the story is by o- Omiya, and the art is by Reiko Sukurada. Um, the premise is pretty simple. Uh, it's about a an office worker named Tsukina. She's a single She's about 30-something. She's single. She likes to read. She generally stays at home. She gets along well at work. Everything in her life is just kind of okay. Like, she doesn't really have any major complaints. Um, And then one day, like, an an orb just comes out of nowhere and says that it's God and that she's she's a savior in another world and she's been chosen to go to the other world and et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, no, I'd really rather not do that. I'm happy with my life. Um, and the orb God thing is like, no, you have to go. And she's like, no, I really, that's okay. I don't really want to go. Um, 
I mean, eventually they come to sort of like, I don't know if you would, they come to an agreement. She gets several like magical powers. She's like, I'll go, but like, I want to have a bookstore. Like, I want to have these magical powers. And the orb is like, okay, fine. I'll grant all of your wishes if, if you'll go, if you'll, if you'll go to this other world and be the savior. And she does. Um, and Sukina opens like a, a small book cafe. But she doesn't have very many customers. She just has one, um, a knight that comes in whose name is Ill. I think that's his name. And he comes in occasionally, reads in the cafe, and enjoys her company. Um, and I feel like there's not a ton of tension in this first volume. There's like a, another, I guess, another person that used to be the savior or there's another woman there that I guess the people don't, the people in that world don't like. Um, she's close to the prince of the world and people just hate her. She doesn't really help with anything. But I just don't, like, so far I haven't really seen the tension in the story beyond, like, Sukina creates this this book cafe that she enjoys. Il comes and visits her. And then there in, in the kingdom there's this... Um, this person that everybody doesn't like and the first volume kind of cuts off and i feel like there's that it needs a little bit more of a push to get you to pick up the second one i like the premise i like the idea of like uh, having your own bookstore and all that so it's it's a it's a manga that's written for me so i'm just going to pick it up regardless but i didn't know what you all thought about whether or not it compelled you to read uh, the volumes that are still coming uh yes as evidence uh, before we or in the break between <laughs> the last segment in this segment, I was going to buy the next volumes and it doesn't come out until April. Um, because I haven't seen listing them on their website, so I'm like, oh, surely they're out right now. But, alas, they're next. But, um, I, I really like this. Uh, I like the idea, same as you, uh, the, <laughs> the idea that, like, you are forcing, you're, you're forced to be isekai, um, but you, it's under your terms, since you're being forced, and she gets, like, all of these powers, and the saviors, uh, specifically, it's like a capital S savior uh, role in this other world where they have special magic, they're super powerful, um, and it's explained by God, by God, Jesus Christ, <laughs> anime is weird, her manga is weird, um, that they basically have unlimited MP, magic, magic points, um, but they don't know any spells when they get there, so they have to learn that. I felt the tension to me, uh, I agree with you that there's not much, but for me it was like, what is, um, what is going on with these saviors, and how is that going to be conflicting? Because we see the inner workings of uh, God sending several humans over to this other world for them to be saviors, but... Um, what does that mean for Sukina and for this other person that has the prince wrapped around her little finger? I'm trying to remember. Is this one of the series where your isekai protagonist um, could bring both great fortune or ruin to a kingdom they're in? Since I've come across that concept in a couple of series, like um, The White Cat Plots Revenge from the Dragon King's Lap. I think I got that title right. It's, it's, a, it's a long title. But in there, the concept is kind of that, like, the chosen person could actually do either, and so that's why it's important to keep them happy. Was that the setup here, or have I just gotten all my titles mixed up? I don't remember if that's the case here, or um, it was just that they are incredibly powerful, and it's implied that they could do either. Okay, I am probably just confused at this point, but it doesn't matter in the long run, because yes, I also enjoyed this a lot. Um, definitely one of those series where you can just... Go ahead and start benching it, you know, like a good bag of potato chips. 
Um, I, I have to commend our heroine for being like, look, I really don't want to be isekai'd. If we're going to have to do this, I'm going to at least have a very nice, comfortable life and hopefully not have to do much in this other world because <laughs> if you're making me do it, you, you know, I, I've got bargaining power now. You know, you're, you're short of workers. You know, you got to really, you know, give me some good benefits for this job. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, also, I, wonder, I know ahead. you were talking about how her book cafe doesn't have many customers, but I think that's kind of by design. I think it's I think she doesn't want to deal with customers as much. I think mm. she definitely wanted it more secluded. And so far, the only one she's got is her most certainly love interest. So, <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, I. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't like it. I, re- I really, I really liked this one. I, I think I just wish maybe it, the fir- it would have been an omnibus. Maybe like would have gotten a little bit more than when it cut off. But I like I bought the book based on the premise alone. I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't read any reviews. I just pre-ordered it because I'm like, oh, it's about a girl that makes a bookshop. I'll buy that one. Um, but she seems she seems like an interesting character. And then at the beginning, when she gets all of those powers, I wonder like how the powers that she has will figure into the rest of the story. Because she has quite a few of them, and she's pretty specific about them. And I just wonder if they'll eventually come into play with whatever the larger plot is. Yeah, yeah and she's 33, which I appreciate as uh, <laughs> someone who's almost 33. Um, the, the viewpoint... Of someone who's like isekai at that age, as opposed to um, someone who in their teens. The the gog even says um, she asks uh, the other people that you sent were younger, right? And it's like, yeah, they're they're like, yeah, they were teens. Um, <laughs> but to answer your earlier question, Helen, this is I opened the I opened the manga. I bought it in Comicsology, so it's a little easier because I wouldn't know where the book is if I did not do that anyway. Uh, Gog says, Humans I sanct, they are saviors. They gain incredible powers when they enter the world. The magic they wield is strong enough to unite countries. I'd like you to use it to restore the world's harmony. Next, um, next the fetch quest, I guess. Harmony. Okay, so this is just proof that I've read entirely too many isekai titles recently, (laughs) as they are starting to blur together in my mind. Um, but yeah, and I I seem to recall she does have a mark on her that could identify her as a savior. Like her, Mm -hmm. she, like, deliberately had put in an obscure place but um yeah she, she's definitely running the risk of being found out eventually and i don't know need to have a job once again you know yeah. just let her retire at 33 you know you took her away from the whole world <laughs> and all that you know just also i think the art in the manga is pretty cute <laughs> yeah. it is yeah like i i screenshotted this part too and i forgot to tweet it but i will later anyway um she says you're, you're over 30, you built a life, uh, doesn't love her job, but it's stable, pay is good, I'm, going, I'm on good terms, and, like, every part of this page was extremely extremely relatable. It's like, if if I was 20, 23, or whatever, isekai, yeah, obviously, let's go. Like, <laughs> now, it's like, oh, man, I can barely run a mile. Would I really want to isekai to a world where I have to save it? Also, I feel like Dana would have something to say about you just getting isekai'd off on your own. That too. <laughs> but as a, if I were a single person at this age, I would probably... Yeah, in April, I was thinking about what you were saying about it not having the strongest hook. And I guess that is really one of the weaknesses of a manga adaptation of a light novel. Since, as we know, it can take, like, two or even four volumes of a manga to cover a single light novel. And so there's just... It's a pacing issue that wasn't present in the original, so there's not so much you can do about it then... And I think 
there's a little at the end there's a little um there's what is the word I'm looking for? There's like a not a sample, like an excerpt I think from one of the light novels. It's very short. It's a few pages just to get an idea of how that's written. I think it's from the light novels, or at least it's a bonus story that's that's text and not and not a comic. But yeah, I really I I like this as much as I expected to like it. I like the premise, and anytime it has anything, any anytime anything has anything to do with a with books or a bookstore, I'm going to pick it up. So I'm glad you all liked it too. Any final thoughts? Her place looks very cozy. I would live in that happily. You know, my own <laughs> personal library. Same. Deep Same. in the woods, you know. Sounds great. Magically, magically be able to just like if you spill something on it, no big deal. Oh my god, yes, magical cleaning. That would be so great because (laughs) I don't have the money for the real world kind of magical cleaning, which is called hiring somebody. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. Where can we find you all online? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Wandering Dreamer. You can find the other podcast I co host. And the reviews I write for manga and light novels over at theoasg.com. That's on Twitter at theoasg, where Justin is always tweeting out all of the latest manga and anime news. Apparently, Seven Seas announced today they are going to have yet another imprint. They're doing one for like smutty Jose stuff because I guess mm-hmm. they decided they didn't want Kodansha to continue dominating that market by themselves anymore. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> Seriously, Kodansha puts out so much smutty Jose, and since it's digital only, almost nobody's heard of it. <laughs> uh, so you guys can find me over there for both of those places. Um, well, yeah, I guess Twitter accounts place. You guys can find me over there, both those places. And um, I did hop on over onto the Taiku podcast for the um, top anime of 2021 recently, which I'm sure anyone who's look- looking at this podcast knows exactly where to find the Taiku podcast. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mondiorin. I'm still alive. And also, because I've mentioned it in several episodes, Kodansha Digitally on Comixology, I think, is having a sale. <laughs> some of some of the some of the digital titles are, I think, half off. So um, if you want to grab some new stuff, you should look there. Searching right now as I <laughs> speak about uh, I'm on Twitter on uh, I'm passionate K. And this podcast is on Twitter at Mongang Years. You can find all of our episodes over at taikupodcast.com. That's T-A-I-I-K-U. And you can also find us on Spotify. And if you want us anywhere else, let me know. Tweet me, tweet the podcast, and uh, I'll get us there. Until next time, then, folks. Bye. Bye, everybody.